Sports Social Work, episode 99 of the Social Workers Rise podcast. Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine, here. This week, we are talking about sport social work. So if you love sports, if you consider yourself active, if you like to watch sports, if you come from a sport family and you just love being involved in that culture, then definitely listen up because sport social work may be a new career opportunity for you. You never know. Before we hop into that, I wanted to give you an update on what happened with the last episode. So last week was the episode on why the ASWB test results matter. And that was all about how the ASWB released demographics on the passing rates of the people and it came out very skewed in one direction. If you want to listen more to that, then you can go back. It is episode, what episode is that? Episode 98. And we talk in detail about that with Charlotte Yearwood. Well, at the end of the episode, I mentioned that I was going to reach out to the ASWB and I wanted to get their voice on the topic because they matter too. There's social workers who also work in that organization as well. And it's important to me to really get their side of the story and and to see, you know, what their thoughts are on uh, what are they going to do about the test results? You know, why hadn't they released them earlier? Um, you know, why now? Uh, and I sent those questions over to them per their request, but they ended up responding back to me that they didn't have time right now and that possibly early next year they may be available for an interview. That is, you know, five months away. (laughs) And I really kind of took that as a slap in the face and say, we're not talking to you about this. We know that we just released this a couple weeks ago, but we have no comment at this time. And I was really disappointed in that because I am an optimist at heart. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And um, and I was really disappointed that they really didn't have anything to say in response to my questions. So that is what happened with that. We are going to move on. We're going to hop into this episode on sports social work with Dr. Stacey Kratz. So she is a very talented individual and is immersed in the sport social work world. She has started her work as a psychotherapist and a community activist in 2006, and she's worked in various different professional capacities. Um, She's worked at uh, the University of Southern California, USC, 
um, with the School of Social Work, and she actually was the faculty lead for the USC Sport Social Work Task Force, which she talks about in this podcast. Very interesting. And this is a really new area of social work. And she's actually the, she wrote the first ever chapter on sports social work in the Social Workers Desk Reference in the fourth edition. And she actually uh, wrote the first peer-reviewed journal article on the role of social work in in ending human trafficking that occurs in the name of sport. So she has done a lot of work in this area, and I'm really excited for you to hear from her. We are going to hop right into this episode after we hear from our sponsor, The Rise Directory. This episode is proudly brought to you by The Rise Directory, a national directory of clinical supervisors who are dedicated to helping the next generation of clinical social workers grow in their clinical skills. The link is in the show notes. Check it out and tell every clinical supervisor you know about this directory. You're in LA, right? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. I'm here with Miss Stacy Kratt. Welcome to the podcast, Stacy. You're welcome. Yes, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. My, um, my interest in your podcast is just growing and growing and hearing all the good things and the people that you're speaking with to really change the face and the narrative of our practice, our, our rule, our, like practice as an action verb to really get out there and make the change that we need to see. So, so congrats to you, Catherine. Well, thank you so much, Stacy. And no, I didn't pay her to say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we, 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 I always say we, I don't know why, but I started the podcast, you know, two and a half years ago. And it's just amazing how these conversations are so impactful for the listeners because, I've had people message me and said, oh, I had no idea that was an option. And I looked into, you know, a job after hearing your podcast and I got hired and they're like, so happy now. Or they'll say, oh, I I listened to your episode on the way to my interview for that particular job. And I got hired and they just felt so much more prepared and confident. And so it just gives me chills. I'm just like, oh my gosh, so excited. I just love it. You know, and you know what else I love about when you speak of that is just it's it's social workers helping social workers, you know, and putting social work at the front of like the impact we have and and the potential that is not realized yet because we have a lot of work to do as as well as a lot of professions. But um, yeah, I'm glad because I love talking about sports social work and it's um, it's such a burgeoning field that's the word that came to mind um, <laughs> just massively growing and the interest is out there and it's not just in the United States it's global and that's really fascinating yes yes so exciting so before we jump into sports social work tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you even get started as a sports social worker Oh, it's been a while. So I, um, I've been a social worker for about, um, I guess like about 16 years or so. 
it was I went into social work um, as almost like a second awakening in my in, in younger years, like, oh, I've been kind of so interested in this work and I didn't know what it was called. So I'm I'm one of those social workers that really had no experience in the profession at all, but a passion for social justice and change and equity. And that's how it came about. And I had this awakening like, wow, there's this profession called social work. I had no idea. And that's a lot what we hear on the streets too, right? What is it that you do? So um, I started my social work career with the military at the Air Force Base in Tampa Tampa, Florida. And that's where I had my, that's where I had my internship. And wow. uh, when I was in grad school, yeah, it was fast. It was a gift. I had no idea again about the military culture or anything about it, but I was, it was in my community. And I said, yes, which is something that I always, when I'm mentoring students or even grads or even mid-career um, say yes, as, mo as much as you can just say yes. And I think that opens up a lot of doors that are alternative doors that we never thought we could go through. So, um, or that social work even belonged at the table, but we belong at every table because, um, because it's about obviously human behavior in the social environment and where is that not? So, and that's, that's a global pursuit. So I started that way and then um, my major in the Air Force, I was a civilian, but he invited me to teach a class at USC, and that was in social policy. And he was open, his name was Dr. Anthony Hassan, and he was opening up the Center for Military Family Social Work at USC. And um, to tell you the truth, I really didn't want to say yes. Um, I had I had taught little kids how to speak English in France, and um, I was horrible and I hated that job and it like all came crashing like no I, I'm not a teacher but I did say yes because it was Major Hassan that was asking me and then and then being in the sport powerhouse of USC really brought those conversations gradually onto our into our social work faculty meetings and I became the lead faculty for the sport social work task force and that was really at the invitation of Another social equity powerhouse, Monica Ellis, who, who had been at the university for years and years. And she invited me to do that. And that's how I got involved. And it was a natural, because when we think about clinical space and um, when we think about at, in that sense, it was really about collegiate athletes, which um, of course, sports social work is about sport and athleticism across the lifespan, not just at the collegiate, in the collegiate space, but um, that's what opened it up to me. And the need for that vulnerable population as athletes for intervention and care and case management and clinical work and advocacy really. And so that um, is, that's how it opened up the whole world to me. And because of that, I was introduced to the Alliance of Social Workers and Sports, which we call ASWIS. And that was about seven years ago. And it has just grown because of my natural interest in the power of sport and how it not only um, enhances our lives, 
but it builds strong communities and sport and social work is about community building and so is sport and so it enters into every realm of our lives and when we tap into the power of our specific training to bring in the power of sport well i mean you know the world is our oyster that yeah. is, that's fascinating, Stacey. And one thing that you mentioned that I want to circle back around to is I had never considered athletes or collegiate athletes as a vulnerable population. Can you break that down for me a little bit? Sure. Sure. So, you know, um, when, when, when we're like integrating into society, say like at three years old and all that, you know, our, um, typically we, ent- we start doing like tumble class or something or, and then we move into um, just community sports in some way, whether it's organized or just pick up or, um, or really just um, informal settings because give a kid a ball and they're going to kick it. And that is, we're using that type of human behavior that's part of us to then move, move along, right? And, and grow into the people that we and our family want us to become, hopefully, right? And um, along, along the way, there's opportunities to keep going into sport and there's transition times. So think of like, this is only one aspect of sports social work, by the way, but it's one that most people identify with. And it's those transition times when like, okay, so, oh, my, my, son, um, my son wants to play baseball and this is gonna be so great for him and the family. My daughter wants to swim and, or, or any kind of sport, or we wanna bring um, our, our students in the school together in a formal way for um, not only the benefits of physical activity, but the benefits of building community through sport at the school level. So there's going to be lots of times where there are transitions there, where students um, and children and youth and adolescents and, and young adults, where they maybe can't play or they um, are playing and they're getting better and they need direction, or they're moving into, uh, they've had an injury or expectations are, their own personal expectations are not being met and it can be traumatic. And um, we wanna make sure that as a society that at those times, those athletes are very much well supported. And that's part of clinical social work, the actual mental health part. So think of a high school athlete that's done very well that doesn't get the that doesn't get the scholarship to college. What happens with that person, that human being? Think of the collegiate that gets injured in their second semester and they can't play anymore. What happens with that person? Think about um, think about even. Um, athletes who also have a mental health issue before they're even, it's, it's not even related to the sport. How do we support athletes with mental health and behavioral health issues 
while they're pursuing their dreams as athletes. So it's not, it's about sport performance, which we um, partner all the time with our psychology peers and colleagues, but it's also about that person in the social environment of the team and the family and the community, and of course the country and the world. So um, that's a, a new perspective that's been brought in heavily with the Alliance of Social Workers in Sports. That was a long answer, Catherine. I hope I got it. <laughs> you did, yes. And the way that you explained it, I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, I, I never thought about it before, but um, it complete it makes complete sense. And I'm also thinking too, there's just so much pressure yeah. and anxiety. Yeah. And, um, you know, this you have to perform, you have to be in the right headspace to do your best. And I imagine that would be extremely difficult when you have, um, you know, cause USC, they have, they're televised. There's people watching all over the world. I mean, gosh, the pressure to deal with that makes me anxious thinking about it. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering what, and you mentioned a little bit, but what does a sports social worker do or what is um, a typical day might like, what would a typical day look like or kind of activities that you would do as a sports social worker? So sport social workers are work, you know, uh, I want to use the terminology micro, macro, mezzo, but I'm so tired of that terminology and I can't <laughs> believe I'm using it. But it's, it's something that we do understand right now. So there are sports social workers that work in a one-on-one -on -one or group clinical setting every single day. And that's all over the country and in the world. As a matter of fact, I'll put a little shout out. We had our very first, um, with, through ASWIS, the very first member who is a professional sports social worker who works in Cape Town, South Africa. His name is Fakria Renzi, and he's uh, working in the schools with a program that's called the um, School of Hard Knocks. It brings rugby into the school system with the ultimate goal of uh, bolstering academic success with those students, but also cultural success and um, uh, social success because they want to decrease some of the social problems that are happening in South Africa. So um, that's one example of a sports social worker. He's working with a program that is education and academically based, managing those teams of students to um, ultimately stay in school. So those are some of their, their, that's one of their major outcomes that they're looking for. And they're very, very successful. Um, so that's, that's, you know, it's that fine line between therapeutic and clinical. It's not individual therapy, but that's exactly what he's doing. Um, for another example, um, um, uh, one of our members at ASWIS is, is one of the global leaders on OCD treatment and she specializes in OCD with athletes. And that is, um, so, so anytime we hear about the diagnosis is OCD, like we're referring over there. And so she works specifically individual therapy with athletes that are suffering with that diagnosis and um, moving them through that to reach their potential and, and, and um, have peace within themselves. So that's an example of, 
one-on-one -on -one clinical treatment. There's also oh. sports social workers that are doing um, macro practice, very much so, say things like um, um, working for organizations like Sport for Dev, Sport for Development, that are um, working more in the grant and capacity building organizations that help programs out there that are uh, working on like things like positive youth development using sport. Um, so they're like part of the big circle to make sure that these organizations are, are supported and able to grow to increase their capacity. Uh, th that would be on a very big scale. There's um, another ex example is um, like the US State D Department of State, they have sport diplomacy and there are social workers and uh, people there that are very interested in sports social work to work in the diplomatic arena for international um, exchange programs with athletes, fascinating. The um, NBA, for example, the National Basketball Association, um, the leader of the international, the international um, arm of the NBA is a recent Fordham MSW grad. And so um, a lot of their push is building basketball in the African context. And um, that's a social work job because we wanna make sure that social work, the impact of our philosophy about what makes strong communities is, is embedded into any growth of athletic programming. Wow, fascinating, I love it. Hey, it's Catherine here. I hope you are enjoying this episode. We're going to take a quick break to listen to these ads from our sponsors. If you're planning to take the BBS Law and Ethics exam, the ASWB Master's or Clinical Licensure exam, or if you're studying for the MFT exam, then you need a proven program that can help you understand the exam questions and pass with confidence. If this is you, I highly recommend the Therapist Development Center. I personally use TDC to pass my law and ethics and clinical exams and found the program provided me with everything I needed to pass with confidence. TDC's program integrates various ways of learning in an organized fashion containing all of the information you need to pass without the overwhelm. And now, bonus, TDC is also offering a library of continuing education courses that fulfill your license renewal requirements and will support you in your career development. If this sounds like something that you need, visit their website, therapistdevelopmentcenter.com and use the code SWRISE10 at checkout to receive 10% off any of their CE courses including their brand new course, On the Edge of Life, an introduction to suicidality. You can also check out the link in the show notes. Do you love horses, nature, and being outside? Do you dream of having a successful career working with horses and helping humans? Horse Therapy Center of Canada provides certification and professional training to mental health professionals like you who want to launch a business or career in equine-assisted therapy. With three different delivery methods, you can become an equine-assisted therapist in as little as four days. 
For Social Workers Rise podcast listeners like you, my friend, Horse Therapy Center of Canada is offering you up to $700 off of their certification and training programs. So don't wait. Start your career in equine assisted therapy and learning today. Check the show notes for how you can get started. I think I got it right. Catherine, like micro, meso, macro examples. Yeah. 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 You tied all of those in there. And it's really interesting because it sounds like a way to, for example, the first example that you gave in, um, in Africa that they are doing all three of those because you're working with the individual, you're working with the kids, you're working with your colleagues, maybe, um, maybe educating other people who may not know about what your role is or what you're doing and the importance of it. And you're working with groups and then large communities. So it's really integrating all three levels. I mean, man, talk about an interesting job. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so fascinating every single day. Um, this sounds so, so corny, but it's like, I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much great work to do every day. Um, of course, there are some of the um, societal issues that are difficult to talk about and difficult to work in. And we're there too, of course, as social workers and things like sexual trauma and sexual assault that occurs in sport mm. that um we have obviously zero tolerance for. And we see that on headlines all the time. We partner and collaborate with the leading uh, women, the leading person in uh, the sport arena addressing sexual trauma. And that is Brenda Tracy. She has started the group um, many years ago called Set the Expectation. And it's fighting sexual assault within sport because it's there and it's at sometimes higher levels. So it's disproportionate. Um, And she has a story of her own trauma that she's lived through and she has, she shares it with the world and she specifically shares it with collegiate athletic teams all over the United States. She's even moved more now into really the whole idea of violence against women. And, but of course her specialty is violence against women within the sport arena. And that's at every level. It's not just player against, uh, you know, like a woman, a specific women, but it's a culture. And it's, there's um, aspects of that culture that need massive change. So she's working hard on that and we help her with that, especially in terms of research and, um, entree into certain arenas. And one of our members, Lauren Tredenick, is an expert in that arena and she's fabulous. So um, she's at, she actually created that, that collaboration. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. So I'm wondering if someone wanted to get started in sports social work, but they really don't know, you know, what to do. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, you know, what's what are the requirements or prerequisites or are there any special kinds of trainings that would be required to be a sports social worker? Yeah. Um, I think the number one thing, just like a lot of the specialties in social work is there has to be a passion at some level. You know, it, it doesn't, we believe that everybody is an athlete and that um, sport growth of athletes pursuit is part of what it is part of humanity and what it means to be human. 
So everybody's an athlete. So we all have that in us because a lot of times I'll hear from current students or recent grads that really want to get involved and they'll say, but I'm not an athlete. And uh, we just debunk that right away. And it's thinking about the bigger picture of what it means to have sport in our lives. Um, so that's one thing, a passion for like this area of study. It's also, um, it takes a lot of networking because there's so much that's not known in the general population about sports social work. So you have to be really able to like to talk about sports social work and to get yourself out there because oftentimes it's non-traditional paths. So, um, I mean, there's some very traditional paths. Like we have sports social workers that are clinicians for professional sports teams, baseball, football, hockey. Social workers are in all those spaces. Soccer, Lisa Bontasumi is um, another example in the in Oakland area. She's the mental health director for the professional soccer team. Um, the Panthers, we have a professional social worker. So the, the, that's like an easy drop, right? So low-hanging fruit, get involved with sport teams. Um, but also get involved with um, community programming. Get involved with international organizations that are in the sport arena, such as a company called Beyond Sport, for example. They're a massive international organization that is uh, they're really capacity building organization as well. And they uh, do a lot of grant funding. They're very much committed to building uh, very high quality sport programming across the lifespan. Um, another organization to like really keep your eyes on is Laureus, which is L-A-U-R-E-U-S. They're another global heavy hitter that is in this sport for development arena. Um, so like get a pulse on what those organizations are, become a member of a Swiss. I swear to God, I'm not in marketing, but, um, that is where the sports social workers convene. There's actually a symposium October 5th and 6th. I should check those dates. It's either the fourth and fifth or this. I'm going to check it right now. Um, it's the eighth annual symposium of the sports social workers. And um, it's about 100, 125 members that come um, in person this year in Indianapolis. And we've been virtual for two years, so we're super excited. And it's all about networking and learning about the organization and about um, what people are doing, the pulse on what's happening. So, I mean, if, if you want to be a sports social worker, that is really necessary to like really be part of the group. Um, and clinical work, you, you want to like tap into organizations that are serving athletes in some capacity, if you want to do like direct clinical work. Um, and that that is in every community. There are organizations. A lot of times it'll be um, partnering and collaborating with uh, sports psychologists a lot. And uh, that's been a great interdisciplinary approach to helping the vulnerable populations. Yeah. There's also some other things, Catherine, like um, 
So for instance, it came it came to my attention many years ago that there, there were children that were trafficked in Florida um, in the name of sport. So these children were coming from Cuba, they were like, the parents were so excited. They were going to learn how to like really rise to the top in the baseball arena. But really what it was, was a front for, it was about labor trafficking. Those children actually ended up being trafficked in the, in the, um, in the labor market. And that's called trafficking in and trafficking, trafficking within the sport arena. And that happens every day too. So something like human trafficking using sport as the vehicle to, to um, trap human beings, that happens. And there's an international organization called Mission 89 that is headquartered in Switzerland and we're a partner with them too. And, um, and trying, and, working, not only trying, but working in the arena to stop this type of trafficking. So, so things like that. Anytime there's like a social issue, you can always say, okay, is sport used in this arena at all? Or, or is that something that needs to be explored that nobody's really looked at it yet? So another thing, the ASWIS has a sport social work certificate. So it is the one and only in the whole world that is about not only individual and class instruction with a mentor, but also includes a, an um, internship as well, guided internship, no matter where the person lives. So that is a, that's, we found that that's very, um, it's helpful when people are looking for jobs to have a sports social work certificate. So that's, that's a great way to do it too. Excellent. And I'm wondering in sports social work, is there the opportunity to get clinical supervision towards your professional license? Yeah, there is. Um, there are, there's a whole list of clinicians that are um, on the clinical list as clinical social workers at ASWIS. And many of them do supervision too. Oh, that's great. I'll have to get that list from you, Stacey, yeah, and yeah. write them to the RISE directory. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. They, um, I'm, I'm also part of that, of course, but um, it's really, a, there's this passion to make sure there's more of us because the need is so, so great. There's not enough of us. And um, I think that, that with a little bit of mentoring and just debunking some myths that I think that people will really be much more interested, especially students right now, you know, that are, you know, like when you're in grad school, you are like, sometimes you're like, oh, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to be a school social worker. That's the end of the story. That's why I'm here. But there's many of us that are like, I don't know. Let's just see how it goes. Um, and so it's all those people that we want to talk to and talk with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So there's a lot, just kind of recap. There's a lot of organizations that are hiring sports social work. And it sounds like if you wanted to get started, one, have a passion to connect with some of these groups that you mentioned yeah. Yeah. and maybe look into a sports social work certificate, see if that's a, a good fit for you. Yeah. Um, but I'm also thinking, you know, as far as let's see, so the organizations would be schools, um, all, all of the sports 
um, organizations, even the government, I heard that they have um, some jobs there. So a lot of, it sounds like you have to do a little bit of digging, but, uh, but it's possible, right? Yeah. So yeah. what, what type of, um, I guess, what type of skills or experience would you recommend that we highlight on our resume or when we're, you know, approaching these types of organizations to apply for a position? Yeah, that's, that's a great question because it's important to really individual, individualize not only the cover letter, but the resume to the job. So sometimes I've seen in some mentoring sessions where it doesn't, you're going for a sport social work job, but it doesn't really highlight that, that you've been in this community, that you know this population, that you're concerned and passionate and blah, blah, blah. So um, very much tailored. And I think that uh, the most important thing is to really highlight the link between social work and building strong individuals and helping to guide people and offer options and strong communities. And that's good for everybody. So even things like not only like small government organizations like cities, cities have parks and recs departments. What are parks, what's the parks and rec department doing about mental health? What are they doing about fair and social uh, diversity and equity and inclusion in those and belonging in those sport places. So, so really tying into how social work and our strong uh, professional training, we're a professional degree. We have training in these arenas that can only make these companies stronger. Yes, I love it. I love it. So uh, last question. Oh. What what do you feel is important for <clears throat> for social workers to know about sports social work, or is there anything that we haven't covered yet that you feel is important for for our listeners to know? I think it's really important to know that sport and athleticism is within all of us, and that um, it's not unique to a societal view of what it means to be an athlete. So like a stereotypical, that's very limiting and it's exclusionary. And social workers don't exclude, of course, we're about inclusion. And we wanna use the sport, the power of sport to build that strong change that we need in our society. Because we have obviously many societal ills that we have been tasked as a profession to help impact in a positive way. And if we use sport, we're gonna have greater impact. That's, that's the bottom line. Because we know through all the literature through millennia, you know, Jane Addams actually started the sports social work movement. Um, it was not titled sports social work, but she started the first playground in Chicago. She was the first one to say, we have to use sport when we have two kids from different, um, languages and cultures and backgrounds that are fighting, let's give them a soccer ball because guess what? They're going to stop fighting. They're going to play. And that's a whole arena now that's called refugee sports social work to make sure that peace and harmony are, are fostered through the athletic platform. So things like um, the Vatican has a program that's called uh, sport. Oh, shoot. Um, Oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's basically like sport. Um, 
harmony. It's the harmony. And it's really about building peace. And that's a search term, sport for peace, sport for humanity, sport in the service of humanity. That's the Vatican. Um, that's the Vatican initiative that is global. And the North American director is a friend of ASWIS. Um, and it's all, it's everywhere. It's about the person in the environment. And we're just using sport and expanding on the promise. Definitely. I love it. Thank you so much, Stacey. If people want to find and connect with you, where should they go? Oh, I love to connect. I'm very social. LinkedIn is, of course, um, a history of professional work. I'm on Twitter at Stacey Kratz at Social Work Pulse. And also Instagram is my professional account at Stacy Kratz. And um, always through ASWIS, the Alliance of Social Workers and Sports, we have a, uh, an amazing executive team that I work with every day. I hope that all your listeners can come to the symposium, if not this year, then next year, and get involved in our certificate program and, and be that social worker that recognizes athletes are a vulnerable population and it's across the lifespan. Awesome. Thank you so much, Stacey. It was great talking to you. You too, Catherine. So happy about Rise and just keep doing the great work because we need you. Oh, you know we will. We're just getting started, Stacey. <laughs> okay, take care. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, please open up your iTunes, tap the five stars, and leave a short note on why you love listening to the Social Workers Rise podcast. Also, if you want to share it on social media, I absolutely love it. You have me fangirling all over you. Take a screenshot and share it and tag me at Social Workers Rise on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, just want to leave a little bit of legal disclosure here that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Social Workers Rise podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk. This podcast should not be used in place of professional advice, therapy, or clinical supervision. And with that, my friends, I'll talk to you next week.